If you uh, have your, word, your copy of God's Word, join me in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The last couple of weeks, we've, we've been going through a series, and we're asking the question, why, and then blank, like, why do we do certain things in the church that we do? We've talked about why membership, why do we have church membership? We've talked about uh, communion, why do we celebrate communion? Last week, we talked about giving, why do we have an offering box on the back wall, and why, why do we use these words like tithing and giving, and, and, um, and this week, we're asking the question, why do we sing? Why do we sing? Have you ever wondered that as you walk in the, in the church service here? We spend a, a good portion of the time uh, singing songs of praise and honor to our Lord. Uh, why do we do that? Well, we're going to look at some scriptures today to help answer that question, hopefully. And, and um, I want to differentiate right at the outset. We're not asking the question, why worship? Uh, hopefully, hopefully you've got a good grasp on that. But that's outside of the scope of what we have time for anyways. We, we worship is, it encompasses more than just music. It encompasses uh, the fellowship, the conversations we have, the, the thoughts we have. Worship can, can really take many different forms. The, the, the other things we do in the service are, are giving as a form of worship, communion, the proclamation of God's word. There's a lot of things that happen when we gather together that should come from a heart of worship. A desire to see God lifted high. But specifically, we want to ask about one component of that worship, and that's singing. Why do we sing? Well, the first thing, well, let's, let's read the passage, and then we'll, we'll get into the outline. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read a few more verses than what we're actually going to look at, but I want to kind of give the context, because Paul's got a couple of long sentences here, and I want to make sure that we're not just jumping in mid-sentence. So let's back up to verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the heart to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray one more time before we look at these verses together. Heavenly Father, to you belongs all the honor and the glory and the praise. To you alone. Lord, I, I, I ask that you would help us to be a church that just belts that out, that sings with all of our heart from the top of our lungs praises to your name, declaring your worth and your glory and your greatness, love and your faithfulness. Show us from your word why it's so important that we be people who sing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first, the first reason, I, I suppose we, we've said it every week, so we'll continue to say it, we're, we're commanded to sing. Like the first reason that we sing, when we ask that question, why sing? first one is that we're commanded to. Psalm 149.1 says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly 
of the godly. We are commanded to sing. David enjoins us. Praise the Lord. Come on. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. He's calling us to sing together. Not just in our car or in the shower or when nobody else is around. But he says do it in the assembly. When you gather together, God calls us, commands us to be people who sing. Now, you might be like me thinking, yeah, but... Um, you know, the Bible talks about a joyful noise, and I'm not sure the people around me would experience joy if they heard my voice being raised up in praise. We're going to get to that in a minute, but um, I'll just say at the outset, and we'll reiterate in a minute, you need to get over yourself, okay? <laughs> this is not about you. God calls us to sing, to sing in the assembly of the godly, to sing his praise. God is worth it and worthy of Voices joining together in a new song to his name. Secondly, music is a gift from God. I was thinking about this a little bit this week. That even if you, let's set scripture aside for just a second here and, and look at music just for what it is. Music is, is God's, as a gift from God to God's creation. To whether you're a believer or unbeliever, no matter what culture you're from. What type of music you listen to. Music is a gift from God. Every culture has music. A way to artistically express oneself through, through song. Music is important to every culture because music tells stories. It expresses the, the values of each generation. Music touches our emotions in ways that the spoken word often cannot. Science tells us that, that music does things like it helps, helps with certain types of music help, help with Childhood brain development. Uh, certain types of music can help us concentrate on tasks. Uh, it can help in recovering from certain types of illnesses. It moves us to celebrate. It gives. It puts words and song to our hearts in times of sorrow and, and lament. Um, it's it's God's common grace that that you can make that we can make music, whether in church or out of church. Uh, even if that music is less than glorifying to God, music in general is still a gracious gift from Him. That's a great reason to sing. Thirdly, music plays a prominent role in the Old Testament. The very first musician listed in Genesis is a man by the name of Jubal. He's the son of Lamech. And Genesis 4.21 says he was the father of all those who played the lyre and the pipe. Uh, the Old Testament mentions 20 different musical instruments. And over and over and over you see the people of God singing and making music. And lifting up song to him. Uh, just a few examples. Uh, they would often sing after a, a victorious battle. You can read about that in Exodus 15 or Judges 5. Uh, singing and dancing were common at feasts. Uh, kings all had their singers and instrumentalists. Uh, music was played at harvest time and festivals and weddings and celebrations. Even funerals. There were funeral songs in Israelite culture. Uh, David lamented over Saul and Jonathan after they died uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 18 to 27. The Israelites sang in Ezra's day when the foundation of the new temple was completed. The returning exiles and God's people gathered together and with one voice sang praises to him. The most famous uh, songwriter, um, at least certainly in scripture, but maybe all of human history, is, is David. We know that most of the psalms were composed to be songs used during various seasons of worship or lament or celebration. They were not only calls to praise God, 
but they were, they were the very words of, of worship gatherings as David and his people lifted up songs of praise to God. David organized a Levitical choir and orchestra and clearly put them into practice. Music is all over the Bible, all over the scriptures. I mean, just, just here's a few psalms to just meditate on. Uh, I, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. But I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Just a small sampling of the psalmists as they say, come on, let's get together and sing to our God. Isn't he worthy? Let's spend some time singing about how he's faithful, how like we've totally messed up time and time again. We've rebelled and we've been wicked and yet he still pursues us. Let's sing about a faithful God. Or let's spend some time singing about his steadfast love that never quits, it never stops, it never slows down or abates. Let's sing about that. Let's sing about his might, his power, his greatness. Old Testament believers knew that music was an important way to express the work that God was doing in their hearts and through their lives. But to bring it a little bit closer to us today, number four, we sing because the early church sang. This was a practice that carried on. It wasn't just an Old Testament thing. It wasn't just a cultural thing. But then the early church incorporated music into their gatherings. And we see that now here in Ephesians 5, which we read a moment ago, when he tells the believers to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we don't really know exactly what e the difference what each of those terms meant. There may have been, obviously, the, the psalms. He was talking about singing psalms. But hymns and spiritual songs, we're not really sure if there was, if there was just there was, were synonyms, if they described different types of music. Uh, but regardless, the, the early church, when they gathered together, they, they sang. I don't know if you know this or you remember this part of the story, but a couple weeks ago we talked about communion in Jesus' last moments with the disciples in the upper room. Do you remember what he did with them right before they went out? They had their meal, the bread, the wine. Remember the last thing he did? We didn't read it then, but Matthew 26, 30 says, they sang a hymn and they went out. Savior sang. I have this, this feeling that it, this was not a, the first or last time that Jesus sang with them. I have a feeling that he probably did it on other occasions. If it was such an important part of Hebrew worship, 
when they gathered together, I imagine that they were quite familiar with their Savior's singing voice. And he enjoined them together. It doesn't say Jesus sang for them, but they sang a hymn together. We see it in other places when Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts 16, singing late into the night. Um, James 5.13 tells us to sing songs of praise when we're happy. Um, even in the context of their worship gatherings, uh, we see it in places like 1 Corinthians 14.26, um, where Paul writes to the believers then and he says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, and then he goes on with other aspects of their worship service. Each one has a hymn. It sounds like maybe even they, uh, they had like a sharing time. Like, all right, what are, you, what are you singing for us this week? Or what are you leading us in? Like, you got people contributing. Uh, but they did it in the context of their worship gatherings. God calls us to be people who come together and sing. Music is not just for when we have the radio on. It's not just to hear the worship team play to you. But it's, it's for us to do together. By the way, if you're curious and you want to read what most scholars think was an early church, an ancient Christian hymn, you can just jot down in your margins Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Most scholars, as they read that, they see the, the flow and the rhythm of that passage, and they believe that it was a, one of the, the first songs that the early church sang in honor of Christ. So we sing because it was the habit of early believers, the first Christians. Fifthly, we see that singing is an overflow of being filled with the Spirit. I, I never saw this connection in Ephesians chapter 5 until this week as, as I began studying. Look carefully with me at verses 18 and 19. Paul is commanding them to not get wasted. Don't get drunk with wine. Um, he's not saying not to drink, and we're not going to get into that whole debate or argument or that issue, but the command here is clearly don't get drunk. Don't let yourself become to the point where you're being controlled, your behavior, your actions are being influenced because of the amount of wine that you've consumed. So he contrasts it. He says, don't be drunk with wine. However, be filled with the Spirit. So since he's comparing the two, there, there's a, a, a similarity here between being, being drunk and being spirit-filled. And that similarity is that you're being controlled by something outside of you or something not of your own uh, volition. With drunkenness, you're being controlled by the alcohol that's running through your veins, being urged to do or say things that you normally would not do or say. But with the spirit filling, when the spirit of God is controlling you, you're being influenced or empowered to do things that God wants you to do. The opposite of being drunk. Here the Spirit is empowering you to do things like boldly witness when you normally would have like kept your mouth shut and pretended not like you didn't know anything about Jesus. Or, or to uh, use your gifts in a way of serving somebody where you normally would have been like, ah, that's not me. Uh, I, I, I'm not smart enough to say that. I'm not like caring enough to do this. That, that, that was the Spirit empowering me there to do that. He says, I want you to be led and filled by the Spirit. Look what happens immediately in the following verse, verse 19. The first thing he says after being filled by the Spirit is to address one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. One of the most profound and important fruits of being filled with God's Spirit is to sing praises to God. 
When God has welled up your heart full of joy or awe at who he is, you can't help but letting it out. Sing. Sing to him as a ministry of God's spirit moving in your hearts. No other religion on the face of this earth sings like the Christian faith. And I thought about why. The first reason I thought of was because their gods really aren't worth singing to. But the second one is because they don't have the spirit of God. If you're not a Christian, you don't have God's spirit. And you're not empowered to sing in the way that unbelievers cannot. God gives you his spirit. And we know, I mean, we could spend all kinds of time talking about what the spirit does in our life and the fruits of the spirit. One of them, just one of them, is that we sing. Singing is an overflow of God's Spirit stirring our hearts up with truth about who He is, how good He is, how thankful we are at what He has done. Singing is an overflow of being filled with the Spirit of God. Sixthly, we sing to witness. We sing to witness. This is really interesting. Another Another truth in Ephesians 5.19 that I had never seen before was that he says, notice, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says to address one another. In, in Colossians 3.16, where Paul, one, in one other place, gives a command that sounds almost identical, He's, he actually says, teaching and admonishing one another with these songs. Like here, you're, you're uh, spiritually helping and, and training. Like when we sing, we are giving witness, we are proclaiming to those around us what God has done, what we think of God. Our songs become a public manifesto of what we believe. In 1925, just a year after winning an Olympic gold medal in the 400 meter race, the Scottish hero, Eric Liddell shocked many by returning to China, the place of his birth as a missionary. He was giving up notoriety. He was one of the most famous men in all of Scotland at that point. He was like the, like the LeBron James of Scotland in those days. And as he gathered, as he, as he stood on the platform there at Waverley Station in Edinburgh, Crowds had gathered to send him off, and he was asked to give a few words. Rather than preach a sermon or uh, give any kind of hint and piety and, well, I'm making this huge sacrifice, he instead chose to lead them in an old Isaac Watts hymn. This hymn communicated from his heart the reason he was leaving all this fame and comfort behind so that he could preach Christ in a distant land. He said and sang with them, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. Through song, he communicated to the people there that his heartbeat was to take the gospel from shore to shore so that Jesus' name would be made known to the ends of the earth. When we sing, we witness to the people in our church who are yet to believe. We, we witness and proclaim 
the glories of God to the unsaved spouse, to the cynical teen, to the intrigued friend. We witness to the outsider stepping through the church door, the sight and sound of a congregation singing praise to God together is a radical witness in a culture that rejects God and embraces individualism. When we sing, we give testimony to the people around us. How great our God is. Moms and dads, I want to encourage you this morning as you sing, are your hands shoved in your pockets and you're kind of looking around the room in distraction? Are you pouring forth your heart in praise? When you do, you're testifying to the, the children sitting next to you, to the grandchildren that you've brought along, that you really believe this stuff. That Jesus is who you say you believe he is. And that God truly is worthy of our praise. Finally, we sing because we will sing in eternity. We sing because we will sing the praises of God throughout all eternity. I remember sometimes growing up, and I'd, you know, as a kid, whatever, you probably, um, like most, there were times when I just, all I could think about during church was lunch, and like, when do I get go outside and play, you know? So my concentration and my involvement was sometimes less than stellar. Um, it didn't help that maybe some of our music, you know, uh, kind of fed the boredom a little bit, the way, that we, the way that we sang. It certainly sometimes betrayed the words that we were singing, but regardless, I remember thinking sometimes, I sure hope heaven's not going to be like this, because this is kind of boring. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. But the more I come to understand worship, and believe me, it's, it's a learning process that I'm far from there yet. The more that you come to understand God, you know, the style of music and the types of songs don't matter quite as much as the content in your heart. You just think, this, this God, he truly is amazing. That he would love somebody like me? That he would give his only son to die in my place? And then to just launch out from there and think about all the things I have to be thankful for and to praise him for. The character and nature that is revealed in his word. The things he does for me. The, the miracles I see him do in other people's lives. And you've got more reasons to sing than eternity has time. But we're going to get a chance. This is warm up right here. What we do when we gather together, we're just getting amped up a little bit for what what ten thousands and ten thousands of years hold for God's people in the future. Look at this little picture from Revelation chapter 14. John, John gets a glimpse of this worship time in heaven. He says, I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. I was really hoping we were in the middle of a thunderstorm when I preached this. It could really be like an extra prop. But. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and the four living creatures and before the elders. <laughs> new music is being made in heaven. And, and when we gather together, uh, Revelation uh, 4 talks about people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathering together to sing this song. 
It's going to be like the roar of waters, the, the thunder billowing as voices of innumerable thousands upon thousands lift up their voices in praise and worship to God. We get to get a little head start here. Let's not waste these times of corporate gatherings. Don't waste times in your homes to miss out on chances to sing will sing for all eternity. I just want to briefly mention a couple ways that we can apply this. Just by way of practicality, I think singing should include both songs to God and about God. We should have some variety. When you look at the, look at the scriptures, um, you see, of course, the Psalms are filled with, uh, with praise that are, are songs like directly to God. They're almost prayer uh, prayerful. Many of them are. They're us speaking to God. But then other times, especially a lot of hymns, tell us about God, who He is, in His nature, in His character. Um, when we sing songs like that, we recognize how important they are uh, in teaching. Like, like we can learn about God. Our kids can learn about God through the theology of the songs that we sing. When when Paul says for the Ephesians to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It seems like there's a full range of singing that the Spirit prompts that's going to that's going to be songs directly to God or about God. Unfortunately, there's a lot of modern day Christian music that's that's made that's more about us than God. We want to be careful about listening to too much of that, or, and we want to be careful about bringing it into our corporate worship because we're here. Our, our singing should be about Him and to Him, not about us. And, our feelings or, or what we've been up to or anything like that. It's, it's about Him. We're here to worship Him, to learn about Him. And that's what we try to do as we worship Him corporately. Secondly, <laughs> corporate worship is not entertainment. Um, I hope you don't come here to be entertained. That, that's not our heartbeat. That's not what we should be about. That's not what you should be about. That's just No matter how, how great the sound is and how great the, the songs that are selected, uh, your goal should not be to come here to be entertained. Like, go to a concert for that. Don't come to God's corporate gathering on Sunday to be entertained. Come here to worship. He wants your heart. He wants you to join in. Not to sit back and watch what goes on up here, but to come together and sing with a, your family next to you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to lift up your voices in honor and praise to Him from the heart. Thirdly, <laughs> I'm going to get a little like in your face a little bit here. Remember, it's about others and God. It's not about you. Okay? When we come together here, it's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we want or what makes us feel good or my favorite song or this, this instrument was a little bit too much or whatever. It's not about you, okay? And that, and that brings us back to our voices, okay? Listen, I have never been able to carry a tune, ever. It has plagued me my whole life. I remember going, uh, one time I was supposed to join in with this, uh, this choir on a mission trip. Everybody was gonna be singing, no matter what your ability, but they wanted to kind of have everybody uh, get kind of tested. So you were supposed to go in and sit with the piano player and she was just gonna kind of see where you're at. And so she starts playing a song, and I start singing, and I saw this look on her face, like, 
someone had just made her drink like a gallon of lemon juice. And she's like, um, would you mind trying to like sing with the music? And I, I was like, I'm, not, I'm still a teenager, I'm still a little bit vulnerable here, I got feelings, all right? And I'm like, well, I'm sort of trying. And she's like, oh. Okay, will you send in the next kid? <laughs> hey. um, it's not about how good you can sing, how great your vocal abilities are. It's not about you. It's about God. So sing, doggone it. Let your voices be heard. Lift your voices up to God. The joyful noise, it's joyful to God. It may not be to those around you, but who cares? Like, honestly, it's not about... It's not about us and what other people think about us. It's about a chance to worship and sing to God together. Together. Look at this, look at uh, verse 19 again. Um, addressing one another in psalms and hymns. It's about ministering to other people. I don't care how good your voice is. If, if people see you around you, see you singing with your heart, they're going to be impacted for the good. And he says then, in fact, I like what Jonathan Edwards says about that. He says, the best, most beautiful, and most perfect way that we have expressing, of expressing a sweet concord of mind to each other is by music. We minister to each other when we sing with our hearts together. But we must remember also that we're directing that to God. Um, he says at the end of verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. He doesn't just want us going through the motions, mouthing the words, singing it because the words are on the screen. He wants our hearts, just like we said with giving last week. God doesn't want us going through the rituals just because pastor preached a sermon on giving and you feel guilty. He wants us giving because it's in our heart to be givers like God is a giver. And here he wants the music, the song, to come from our heart because we're filled with joy and awe and amazement at this God that we get to worship. And then finally, worshipful singing should engage the heart and the mind. We've already said making melody with your heart. Singing, worshiping through song begins not with your voice, but with your heart. And then Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And that's, God wants all of us engaged. He, want us think, he wants us thinking about the lyrics and the theology that's involved. And he wants these songs to remain on our hearts throughout the week, to ask questions like, why am I singing this? What, what, is, what, what about this song? Uh, what do I learn from God from this song? How does it point me to Jesus? Or reveal, how is, is he reveals himself in his word? What, what truths are being laid on my heart? Uh, what lines from this song does God want me to reflect on throughout the week? He wants our heart and our mind, all of us, engaged in worship. I remember when I was little and uh, during some of those worship services in the church I was growing up in, um, as I said, sometimes my, my heart, my mind wasn't there as it should have been. But there were times when uh, we'd be singing certain songs, and I remember my own heart being stirred as a little kid, feeling like there was something far bigger going on than what I, I could understand. We were talking about a God who didn't fit in a box. We were talking about a God 
who was mighty and powerful, but a God who loved me. Many of those hymns that I sang as a little kid, I can still quote from memory because they, they brought theology to my heart. My mom uh, used to play the organ, and man, could she rock the organ. Like nobody could rock the organ. And so a lot of times during the singing portion of our church services, we were, my brothers and I were there with dad in the, in the, in the pew while mom was up there playing. And uh, my dad, uh, like me, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, couldn't, couldn't sing on tune if his life depended on it. But there were some songs that he was just all in on. And I remember, especially if it had any deep parts, he loved going low and finding that low note, and he'd kind of puff out his chest and put his chin down when those parts would come. And I can still hear him belting those out-of-tune lyrics. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. I sing the mighty power of God. You know, as a kid, I don't ever remember standing next to my dad and thinking to myself, wow, what an awful voice he has. I don't ever remember thinking that. It's only later I realized that neither of us could sing. But I do remember thinking this. Wow, he really believes this stuff. Why do we sing when we gather together? Because, I pray, you really believe this stuff. And you are in awe of the God that we sing to and that we sing about. And we be a church whose voices are lifted up in testimony and praise to this great God. Let's pray. Our Father, teach us to sing from the depths of our hearts. Lord, remind us that it's not about us. Let us get over ourselves, whether our singing voice, or I don't like this song, or that song, or this instrument. Lord, help us to remember that this is about ministering to others around us and to you as an expression of unity, of corporate worship. Lord, may we sing these songs from our hearts. Not because it's, just because it's up on the screen and that's what we do Sunday mornings. But because we really believe this stuff. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.